Welcome to the Ferris Love Shrine podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. In this episode, we're talking with licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinderer. Welcome, Doug. Hello, Katie. How are you? Good to be back. Great. We are happy to have you back. And we brought you back because in our last episode with you, episode 16 on keeping the love alive in your marriage, you had talked about forgiveness and how important forgiveness is in a marriage. And we decided that deserves an entire episode all by itself. Hmm, I might have forgotten that. Maybe sure it wasn't forgetfulness, how that's important. No, forgiveness, I guess. Yeah. Forgiveness. I get accused of being pretty forgetful by my wife. And so I decided that's a virtue as well, forgetfulness. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but, you know, right. I mean, you do say forgive and forget, right? And I, that's, I, don't, I don't buy that. I don't think you can ever forget. And I try to make yourself forget something. No, yeah. just, okay, I'm going to forget this and never think of it again. No, you can't do it, right? So you can't you can never forget the injuries, but you can't forgive them. So, um, and I think it's probably... The most important virtue is forgiveness an official virtue. I, I think it's perhaps the most important virtue to sustain a marriage long term. Because, and here's the reason, A, you married a person with defects. Okay. And sorry, but you got original sin. And along the way, we pick up a few other defects like, you know, pride and anger and selfishness and, you know, ego and all this kind of stuff. Right. Number one. Number two, we have our own temperaments, mm-hmm. you know, and we have our own personalities. And we have our own interests and likes, and those things will come, will clash from time to time. Well, and so there's going to be a lot of opportunities to forgive. And in fact, I can't think of any forum anywhere in the world where you get more opportunities to practice forgiveness than within marriage. Because every single day, your spouse is going to do something that's going to irritate you because they, you just can't, you're living together in such close proximity that those things you're going to get on your nerves. You know what? I listen, I, I have a lot of defects and two that cause a lot of trouble for my wife is I have a very poor short-term memory um, and I don't pay attention to things. I have a short attention span. And so I am constantly asking my wife, like, what time are we leaving again to go see the kids? And when are we, is that Saturday or Sunday? You know, and then she gets irritated because I ask, you know, 72 times mm-hmm. and I try to write things down. It's like, but I, you know, and I've tried, I've tried my entire life to, to improve my memory and to focus more. And I've had very limited success in that. It's just not in me, right? And so those defects of mine, she's, she has to live with. Sure. And she's, which means there's a lot of times that that's going to get on her nerves and she's going to have to practice forgiveness, right? And so um, that's the deal. So forgiveness, you, you can't go through marriage without it. Now, I think the important point about forgiveness is it's not optional. We don't get to say, I choose not to forgive you. It's a commandment. Christ was very clear, right? And so in, in Matthew's gospel, sixth chapter, verse 15, 16, he says, if you forgive others, their transgressions, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive your transgressions. That's scary. Right. I mean, that means we only get forgiven if we give forgiveness. And if we don't, God won't forgive us. And how are we going to get into heaven if he's not forgiving us our transgressions? Right. 
Again in Matthew later in the 18th chapter, Peter approached him and asked, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus answered. I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times, okay? Um, and in Mark, you know, when you stand to pray, forgive anyone against whom you have a grievance so that your heavenly father may in turn forgive you your transgressions, okay? Um, and in Luke, be on, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he wrongs you seven times in one day and returns to you seven times saying, I'm sorry, you should forgive him. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the most dramatic of all places in the gospel is when our Lord gives us the Our Father. And mm-hmm. I don't know, Katie, how many times you've said the Our Father, you know, 100,000, 500,000. I mean, yeah. hundreds of thousands of times, right? We've prayed the Our Father. And sure. every time we say it, we say, forgive us as we forgive others. Well, right. turn that upside down, right? If I don't forgive people, don't forgive me, Lord. Mm-hmm. So our salvation is intimately tied to our capacity to forgive. Mm-hmm. And nowhere do we get more opportunities for that than in marriage. And so if we really believed it when we said the Our Father, when we prayed that, if we really believed it, we would run around asking people to insult us so we could forgive them. I mean, we would be looking for chances to forgive people. Because, man, that's how I guarantee I'm getting into heaven. Because, man, I, you know, I got a bunch of stuff I need forgiveness for. Mm-hmm. And, man, if I could run around and forgive other people, man, that really is going to make it easier for me to get in heaven. So, so I think that we, in a very real way, we need to look at our spouse's defects as gifts from God. Mm-hmm. As gifts that are going to help us grow in virtue. Sure. Uh, but are also that's going to really help us practice forgiveness and get into heaven. So I think we need to really work hard on forgiveness. We don't do a good job of it, uh, generally speaking, because uh, we're selfish and prideful, but we need to do that. So how, how do we go about forgiving? Well, let's, first, let's talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't, okay? So what it is, it is a decision to overcome the pain that was inflicted by another person. By definition, you've been hurt and there's pain there. Right. But forgiveness is a rational decision. Mm. And you can decide to forgive even if you don't want to. I'm sure Christ didn't feel like forgiving people when he was on the cross and they were still sneering at him and mocking him and spitting on him, but he still forgave them all, right? Letting uh, Forgiveness is letting go of the anger, the resentment, the shame, and all the other uh, emotions associated with the injustice, even though those are reasonable feelings, right? When you've been hurt by somebody, to be angry about it, that's reasonable, you know, to be to resent that. That's pretty. That's pretty reasonable thing to feel, but it's letting go of the anger, which is so critical, right? And I, it was one of the Greek philosophers. I don't remember which one, but but said that holding on to anger is like drinking poison, hoping the other guy dies. Yeah. Right. When we hold on to anger, it doesn't harm the person we're angry at at all, but it sure does ruin our life. You know, we lose sleep over it. We have bad days thinking about the injustice. It 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 it, it just kind of strangles the life out of us when we hold on to anger. So forgiveness is just letting go of that anger, just letting it go. Let God take care of it, right? Uh, forgiveness is treating the offender with compassion, even though they may not be entitled to it. They may not have repented. They might still be happy for the mean thing they did to you. But, you know, but it's it's just treating the person with compassion. 
you know, and listen, in the, in the Gospels, Christ was pretty clear, right? We've got to, you know, we, we require to love our enemies. Well, if we are required to love our enemies, how much more so our spouse? Right. The, you know, the person God put in our life forever as our path to heaven. Man, if, and even if our spouse hurts us and feels like an enemy sometimes, we're still required to love, right, and, and to forgive. Okay. So two things I think are very interesting with, with what you just went over with what forgiveness is, is that it's a decision, which I think is really important because some people think like, well, I don't feel like I don't, I don't feel like forgiving this person, but it's a decision that we make. It's a rational choice, but also too, it's a decision that we can make, even if the other person is not asking for forgiveness, even yes. if they're not saying, oh, I'm so sorry that I did this thing to you. Yeah. We can still and should still make the decision to forgive, even when the other person is not asking for it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. And I, you know, our emotions, you know, often betray us. Right. And, Part of what makes us human is our rational brain can override our emotion. So we can not feel like forgiving and still do it. We can be angry, but not do something angry. We can be angry and still treat somebody with kindness. Right. Not easy, not, not, not easy. But that's what makes us human is our rational brain, that, that our rational brain can't, in fact, uh, control our emotions. And in fact, that's a really good sign of good mental health is that our brain is in charge, not our emotions. Okay. And people who are ruled entirely by their emotions, that's not a good sign of mental health. Yeah. Okay. So walk us through a little bit what forgiveness isn't. Yeah, good. We have a really good framework for what it is, but I think we get confused in our society sometimes with what forgiveness truly is. Yeah, right. So it, it is not reconciliation, right? You can forgive without reconciling. So Christ forgave everybody who was on the cross, although he didn't reconcile with a lot of them. A lot of them didn't reconcile with him. A lot of them were like, oh, I'll, I'll be a Christian now. You know, and so now you, 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 you can forgive without reconciliation, but you can't reconcile without forgiveness, right? So if, if we're going to reconcile, you and I, if we're angry at each other, we've hurt each other, and we want to reconcile, forgiveness has got to be the thing that leads us towards the reconciliation, all right? Yeah. But you, you can certainly forgive people even if they don't want to have anything to do with you, okay? They can walk away and you can still forgive them. Um, it's not about forgetting the injustice. You're not going to be able to forget it. So, so don't even forget about forgetting about it because you're not going to be able to forget it. Uh, it's not condoning or excusing. Doesn't mean what they did was okay. It's not. What they did was not okay. Okay. Um, and it's not just letting go, but hoping they step in front of a bus. It's not kind of like, okay, I forgive you, but if something bad happened to you, I'd be okay with that. Right. That's not, that's not what forgiveness is. Okay. So, um, so that's it. So that's what it is and, and what it isn't. So how do you go about doing it, right? Okay, so now let's say that, boy, you've been hurt by somebody. You know, and listen, I've, I have couples I work with who've got some pretty big things to forgive, like affairs, you know? Um, or, you know, I've got uh, one couple I work with and, and the husband lost like $20,000 at the casino. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't have $20,000, you know? And so how do you forgive that? Sure. Right now, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent, right? So uh, how do you forgive those things, right? So sometimes, you know, little things are kind of easy to forgive, of course, and we have to do that, but the big things too. But it's all possible because I've seen it. I've seen it all happen. So there's really four steps uh, in, in, in forgiveness. And one is kind of the, the, uh, the uncovering phase, so really thinking about what happened. And then there's the decision phase, the work phase, and a deepening phase. So let's talk about those four phases. So, so the uncovering phase is, 
is where you really sit down and think about and write this down. I, you know, I encourage people to write this stuff down, right? But describe the injustice, right? What really happened, okay? And what was unfair about that? So, so write it down, and it, it really it helps clarify, and really it helps for a lot if you can do this in front of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, if you can get to an adoration chapel, if you got somebody to forgive, boy, that's a good place to think it through because then now you're looking at the at the monstrance and the guy who invented forgiveness, the guy who perfected forgiveness. And so he certainly will not be lacking in the grace he'll give you to, to help you forgive, right? So so what was the injustice, right? What happened? What was so bad about it, right? And then how has it affected you, right? What what emotions has it resulted in? Sadness or embarrassment or, or anger, right? And, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, how does it continue to affect you? Are you dwelling on it? Is it occupying time in your day? Is it stealing your 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 joy? Is it keeping you awake nights, right? Is it robbing you of your peace? Which, of course, you know, Christ came to bring us peace, right? Um, you know, has it changed how we look at the world? Has it, you know, uh, you know, is, has, it, has it changed what we do? Are we avoiding people or places where, you know, we might bump into this person? And, um you know, I worked with one couple and, and the wife would had been really hurt by a uh, uh, sister-in-law and she wasn't, she hadn't at least been able to forgive that point. So much to the point where on Sunday morning, if they walked into church and saw the sister-in-law there with her family, she left and went to a mass at a different church. Oh, wow. Right. So that's not a good thing, you know, I mean, and so I really tried helping her work on that and, and uh, she was really struggling with that. And so how's, you know, how's it, how's it affected you? How's it changed your life? So you can really get a grip on, on what the, what, what the cost is for the suffering. Okay. And how you're paying, how your life is being diminished by your inability to forgive at this point. All right. And so then, so that's the first phase. Second phase is kind of the decision phase where you kind of make the decision to actually forgive. And, and so here it's important to think about what forgiveness would really look like for you. Okay. How, how do you define forgiveness and uh, how would you write it down? Right. And then and then I think it's good to you know, make a list of the pros and cons of deciding to forgive the person. Right. So if you decide to forgive the person, what good things will come from that and what bad things? Right. And well, man, the bad thing might be uh, I, I won't you know, I won't get revenge. I, I won't make them experience the same pain I had. They won't know what it's like to feel this pain and they need to experience this pain. They need to know how they've hurt me. And that might feel like a con, right? That, uh, man, there's some justice that won't be served if I just forgive them and move on, right? So, but what are the pros of how does your life benefit if you can forgive the person? And how does your eternal life benefit too, right? How does this actually help you grow closer in, in uh, to our Lord and, and grow in, in your faith, right? And, and then how describe the third part of this is describe how things might be different if you decide to forgive. Okay. Mm. Um, how, how would life be different for you? How would it get better? And I think a good question to ask at this point is why would God allow me to suffer this? Mm. Right. Because mm -hmm. this injury that I've sustained happened by his permission, if not his direct will, he allowed it to happen. He's all good. He can't let anything happen to me that isn't for my benefit. What was God thinking when he allowed me to be hurt by this? Well, here's an opportunity now for me to grow in my understanding of God and, and his will. 
of detachment from my will, of abandoning myself to God's will, of accepting everything that happens in my life is coming from his hand, somehow for my benefit. So there's virtues to be gained in this, okay? Uh, and love to be gained by coming through this really difficult time. Okay? And if I get to the other side, I might end up being a far better person than I would have been had I not experienced this unbelievable injury that I'm suffering. Okay. Yeah. So then the work phase. So this is important. Uh, this is difficult uh, emotionally to do, but this is where you try to put yourself in the shoes of the offender, of the person who hurt you, trying to understand why that person would do the thing they did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, and, and here, like what was life like for the offender as they grew up, right? Were they abused? Were they hurt emotionally or physically as a child? Okay. Might that have impacted their lack of understanding with you or, or the cruel way they treated you? Okay. What was going on for the person at the time they hurt you, mm -hmm. right? Were they in a bad place? Had they, you know, had something bad happened to them? Had they, had they just found out one of their kids was using drugs or dropped out of college or you know, where were they at in their life at that time where they weren't kind to you and they were mean to you? Okay. Um, and then, you know, I think it helps to list all the positive qualities of the person who hurts you. Because sometimes we just want to look at all the bad, what a bad person, no other. But it, if we actually stop and think about it, he, he, you know, the person probably has a whole lot more virtues than vices. And so if we can think about what's good about them, understand how, what was going on bad in their life and childhood and adulthood that might have gotten to this point, it might be easier to forgive. Okay. Mm -hmm. sure. It might be easier to forgive. And you have no idea. And I, you know, I get to, I get privileged now when I work with couples to, to be able to see into their life uh, in ways that other people don't get to see. And I'm amazed at how many people suffered some, unspeakable abuses as, ch as children. Mm -hmm. And you would never know it talking to them as an adult, but they're carrying this unbelievable baggage, these unbelievably scars from being physically, sexually, emotionally abused as children. And once I, you know, once I learned that in a couple, it, it makes it a lot easier for me to be compassionate towards them. Because now I see, man, you're not just a bad person. You're a broken person. Mm -hmm. There's something broken deep inside of you that wasn't your fault. Something bad happened to you when you were eight years old. And man, it's still affecting you now, right? So understanding the other person can really help you get to a place of, of forgiveness. Right? And so now you've done all that work. You've looked at how you've been hurt, how you've suffered from that. You've looked at the pros and cons. You've looked at the offender. You've tried to identify good things in the offender and, and, and identify reasons for why they might have treated you so badly, okay? So then I think you just, you, you get to the deepening phase, right? Where, um, where you say, okay, I've made the decision to forgive and how am I going to move on? Okay. And how am I, you know, how can I benefit now by forgiving and for and the ongoing process of forgiveness? Forgiveness isn't just a one-time event. Generally, it can often be a process, especially if the, if the, uh, if the injury was a very deep one, a very severe one, you know, like a, in case of an affair, that forgiveness can take a long time. It's not a light switch, right? right. You know, now if my wife forgot to wake me up this morning, I, I can forgive. That's a light switch forgiveness moment. But, but something deeper, lost a lot of money or something. Um, it can take time, and that's okay. It's a process to work through. But each day, if we can forgive a little bit more, okay, that's the idea. Okay, and overall, 
the better job we do of forgiving other people, the happier we'll be. And it may not feel like it at the time. It may feel like, no, I'll be happy if I get my revenge. And we know that revenge doesn't bring happiness, right? It, it just never does. Okay. So, and then it's good to, to think about how you're going to be a better person on the other side of the forgiveness, right? You'll be more patient. Perhaps you'll be more detached from yourself, from the world, from friendships and relationships, greater docility, a deeper love for God. Um, and you'll realize that God is going to use the evil that you've endured to bring good out of it, to bring good for your soul and to help improve the odds of you getting to heaven when you die. Um, I listened to a podcast just the other day uh, about a woman who had suffered sexual abuse at three different points in her childhood. Uh, and she talked about how it had just ruined her life. And in college, she went the party route, you know, trying to numb the pain. Um, and, uh, and then one day she just woke up and she said, I can't keep living like this. I gotta, I gotta figure this out. And um, so she, she got some, she found a really good therapist who really helped her on her journey to forgiveness. And she got to the point where she was able to forgive everybody. And, and she was talking about how now at this point in her life and her, I guess she's probably late thirties. Um, there's so much peace in her life mm. and she's able to love at such a deeper level now because she knows the pain that's there, but she's overcome the pain. She knows the joy on the other side of the pain. And she said, you know what? I am, I don't know what kind of person I'd be had I not suffered these injustices, but I know that now I'm a really good person because of it. And I, I, I don't know if I'm happy that it happened, but I'm not unhappy because on the outside of this thing, now that I'm on the other side of it, my life is so rich and so deep, and I am so much better able to love my husband and to accept his love than I think I ever would have been had I not had these really bad things happen to me. So it's an opportunity to allow God to bring good from the evil. Uh, and that's that's a really important part of our faith journey, I think. Sure. That reminds me of a, um, a phrase I heard once from a speaker of like kind of switching the narrative of how we see some things happening and saying like, instead of saying, this thing happened to me to say this thing happened for me, for my growth, for my development, for me to learn, for me to forgive, that. Like all that kind of stuff. And I think that subtle shift of happening to me to happening for me is the same, like what you were talking about, that that can help us learn forgiveness and look yeah. at our spouse in a different light because it's, it's for me so that I can grow and fall deeper in love with him or her, right? That, yeah. In that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that sentiment. And I think that's true. And I, we have to really be careful of our inner narrative, right? What, the, what we're saying to ourselves over and over and over again. And whenever we find ourselves in a negative narrative towards another person, we need to really work hard to stop that. And I think these steps that we talked about today can be helpful to stop the negative narrative and get to a place where we can say, you know what? I can come out of this better than I went into it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, that's what we want. I'm curious if you have any, I mean, this is a whole other side topic of all this, but especially for spouses who find that they're married to someone who they need to be constantly forgiving in more serious ways, I think. Not yeah. just the like, he didn't smile at me this morning the way he should have, but like, he's constantly whatever, right? Has an addiction to pornography and therefore I'm yeah. constantly being hurt. Or he's yeah. too flirtatious when we're out with other people, or or she is. What? How do we live forgiveness in that sense when there are 
And it feels like we're constantly having to dig deep into all of yeah. these stages. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, boy, that's that's where we get into heroic love. That's where we get into, we talked about in the last podcast, agape love. Especially difficult are, are, are these areas of addiction. Uh, alcohol or drugs, uh, but, you know, spending money, gambling, pornography, these things are unbelievably destructive, right? And from an attachment theory perspective, generally people who develop addictions, they're looking for something they can attach to, something that that can bring them joy and safety. And oftentimes, the deeper you can love somebody with an addiction, the easier it is for them to overcome their addiction because now they can attach to you safely. Now you can become the place I go when I need a, a relief and I need love and I need care and tenderness and I need some joy. Um, and yeah, you know, Love would be easy if we were married to perfect people, right? And I, 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 I think marriage is supposed to be tough. I mean, at least since original sin, because it's only in resistance that we grow virtue, right? I mean, how are you going to become a patient person if you're never placed in a position of having to be in a hurry to get somewhere, or you know, or to wait for something, right? And but I'm working with clients and they're trying to develop patience. My advice is, when you're at the grocery store, go stand in the longest line, not the shortest one. Right. You're driving down the road behind a slow driver. Stay there. Don't pass them. Right. And because if 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 we're never in a position like that, we never develop the virtue of patience. And if no one ever harms us, we never have to practice forgiveness. And by golly, we know how important that is to get into heaven. So um, some people, all marriages have suffering. All. Some have more than others. It's not equal. And I don't know why God asks some of us to suffer more than others. Um, but it, it it all gets rewarded in the end. And um, I, I just think that, you know, look at the great saints. They've all had suffering in their life, but they've all find found a way to find joy in that suffering because that's how they grow closer to our Lord. And, and so I think if we really have the right idea about suffering and joy um, that uh, it can help us. And in fact, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm working on a book and the working title is Suffering in Marriage. And that's mm -hmm. the thesis I'm trying to make is that we all suffer and that's a good thing because that can help us grow in virtue and can get us into heaven. Uh, and so let's, let's not feel bad about our suffering. Let's feel grateful that we have something to forgive because then our Lord is going to find it much easier to grant us forgiveness when the time comes. Sure. Um, before we sign out, I'm curious, we've talked a lot about forgiveness. So the person who has to do the forgiving and all of that and what that looks like, but on the flip side, I wonder if you have any just words of encouragement or enlightenment in terms of what if you're the person who has to say, I'm sorry. What if you're the yeah. person who has to ask for that forgiveness? Cause I think, I'm sorry, it's such a simple phrase, but it's very hard to utter, right? Like, it's very hard to say that. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I screwed up. I'm sorry, right? So yeah. how, how can we get better at that? Or how can we notice more when we have to be the one saying I'm sorry? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think uh, I think in one of the other episodes, you probably talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, those four things that really harm marriages, one of which is defensiveness. Uh, and, and defensiveness is blaming the other guy, not owning your share of, of what's going on. And so 
Yeah, I, we need to get really good at, at saying I'm sorry and accepting the fact that I am flawed. I'm still loved by God, even with my flaws, but that doesn't make them okay. And that means I need to keep working to overcome them. And my flaws will hurt you from time to time. And I'm sorry about that. And I think, um, you know, when we talked in the episode on keeping the love alive and we talked about this 1% daily commitment every day, we're going to spend 10 or 15 minutes, just the two of us connecting. That's a good place to also talk about, you know, my apologies that, you know what, I, I could have been kinder to you today, or I should have, I wish I'd have called you this afternoon to check in after your doctor's appointment. And I got hung up at work and I forgot it. I'm sorry. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tell me how it's going now. So, yeah, it's really important to be able to say, I'm sorry. And it's much easier to forgive someone who's contrite than someone who isn't. And I, you know, yeah. So um, I hear it sometimes, you know, in my sessions with couples where the one will apologize. You know, and says, well, not good enough. You weren't sincere enough. You didn't really mean it. I think, yeah. you know, man, we've got to we've got to accept people's apologies. And uh, um and we've got to mean it. And, and, you know, people know if you're sincere or not. Right. And the apology has to be, I am sorry for what I did, not I'm sorry you're upset. Right. It's not. Uh, no, I'm sorry you're angry. That's not an apology. I'm sorry I came home an hour late. and I didn't call and tell you I was going to be late. That's what I'm sorry for. Right. Um, and um, so we got to be very precise in what we're apologizing for. And it's got to be my behavior not your reaction to it. Right, right, right. Love it. Okay, any last words of wisdom before we sign out? Um, yeah, I'd say, listen, I let's, let's be happy, I think. Let's find joy in what we get to forgive because that's how we are, I think, the most Christ-like because he came to bring forgiveness to the world. He gave us the beautiful example of it without to literally his dying breath and whenever we forgive, that's, I think, when we are the most Christ-like. And so forgiveness really helps us to imitate Christ in his most dramatic and, and most important uh, part of, of his life and the message he brought. So let's not be upset when we have things to forgive. Let's, let's find peace and joy in that. Love it. Perfect. Perfect way to end this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to share this episode with your family and friends and visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.